0: Welcome back to the final Most Accurate Podcast preview show here for 4Football. For I am your host, John Daigle, here to close out the Fantasy Championship Week with none other the man working around the clock through the holidays trying to get the projections and rankings updated for Week 17, none other than friend in life, John Paulson. Paulson, how are you doing?
1: I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, I had a little bit of an internet issue there, so I appreciate everybody that's waiting uh, to hear us talk about every single matchup. For week uh, 17. And also, this is your last live stream with me. So I just want to say thanks, John, for being a great uh, partner in crime. And uh, it's been nice to get to know you and work with you. You're a professional and uh, sad to see you go. That is for the people listening on audio. Yes, I wasn't going to mention it
0: because I'm the kind of person, like Devonte Adams says, uh, run your routes, don't get on Instagram and just show up to work. And yes, this will be the final stream between us as I pass onto the great beyond, even though I think that's an analogy (laughs) for death, Uh, not anything else. It'll be okay. Until then, we have to get everyone ready for their fantasy championship. And that begins tonight with the Jets and the Browns has leaked all the way down to a 34 point total. And it's been interesting to see how people view Joe Flacco following his... Amazing performance along with Mari Cooper. Obviously, everyone knows by now. 250 yards, a couple touchdowns. This past week against a soft Texans defense, the issue is that Jets defense is not the same at all. Whereas Flacco had success against the Jaguars, Rams, Texans. This spot is very similar to the Bears matchup that he finished as the QB 15 with a handful of interceptions against. Only Josh Allen, one time this year, has gone for over 20 fantasy points against this New York secondary. So I am concerned about this spot, especially for people who are thinking that he's a top 12 quarterback. What are your thoughts and ranking Flacco this week?
1: I would agree with all that. Uh, he is a volume based streamer, uh, but the matchup, as you mentioned, is terrible. They're, they're, the Jets are first in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, his Primary receiver Mario Cooper is banged up. We're not even sure that he's going to play or be hundred percent tonight. Uh, so yeah, he's a he's a he's a quarterback here in this in the middle of these QB two rankings. It's likely to attempt 40 plus passes. Uh if he's even decent on a yards per attempt, he's got a good chance at uh, you know, pushing for 250. Maybe he throws a touchdown or two, but this is not a ceiling play. Uh, with Joe Flacco this week. Uh, He's just sort of a, you know, he's in that group with, you know, below Derek Carr, you know, Jake Brown and Gardner Minshew. That's kind of the tier that I have him in this week. And it's basically because he has been so pass heavy and the the Browns have been so pass heavy. The way to beat the Jets is to run the ball, but I don't know if the the Browns are going to commit to that. Because they
0: have found their identity, as you mentioned, with Joe Flacco averaging 43 pass attempts. But again, No one gets there, so I doubt Flacco will as well. We saw Elijah Moore, when Flacco first went under center, have a 29% target share when Amari Cooper left the field. Cooper's still questionable at the time of this recording. So let's assume Cooper plays. How are you handling his status in this game?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be too much much better for him, even though, you know, obviously there's going to be a target uptick. Maybe he's getting more attention from this uh, very stingy Jets secondary, so I don't know that he would go up the rankings too much. I don't have, would wouldn't have a ton of faith in him, uh, but he's at 47 right now, so he's a low end wide receiver four. He probably would be in the you know ranked in the low 30s as the primary pass catcher, but you know I think maybe that's David and Joku's job if if Amari Cooper's out.
0: And for the Jets side of the ball. Anyone else to consider outside of Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson from Trevor Simeon in this spot?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think if you're in a really deep league, maybe Tyler Conklin, but, you know, it's really Brees Hall and, and Garrett Wilson. And, and you really can't trust those two as much as other matchups because the Browns are pretty stingy. Uh, but I do think that Brees Hall is a low-end RB1, given all the you know targets that he's seeing. He's been really involved as a pass catcher. And even if the running game isn't going great, they could still pepper him with targets. And I kind of feel the same way about Garrett Wilson. I've got him ranked as a wide receiver three just because this, you know, Trevor Simeon situation isn't even as good as Zach Wilson. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's more of a he's a volume based uh, wide receiver three. And, you know, maybe he gets there just based on getting 12 to 15 targets or something like that. But I don't see him being highly efficient.
0: Extremely excited for Saturday night secluded on its own in prime time between the Lions at the Cowboys, an indoor matchup that favors everyone in the passing game. I think the question mark everyone has in your rankings is, how are you viewing Tony Pollard? Because this Lions front seven has continued suffocating everyone. No running back yet has reached 70 rushing yards against them. And since they returned from their bye from week 10 on, they're allowing just 3.1 yards per carry and less than 17 PPR points per game. The thing is, as I was prepared to bench Tony Pollard quite easily everywhere, Rico Dowdle has now been ruled out. Putting Pollard in a situation I would say similar to a Clyde Edwards-Alaire with both players have not been good all year, but it seems like he's going to handle every single touch in this game. So how are you viewing in every touch Pollard in a tough spot?
1: Yeah, if Dowdle's out, and I, I haven't had a chance to uh, adjust for, adjust the rankings for that. So I'll just tell you that prior to that, Pollard was at 23, which is quite low for him. He's usually in the, you know, lately, even he hasn't had the greatest year, but he's been in the RB10 to RB15 range. But this week was particularly bad with Detroit, uh, splitting time with Dowdle. But with Dowdle out, I'm sure he will move up and he'll get into those mid-teens probably where Ezekiel Elliott, Raheem Mostert, Austin Eckler are as more of a... Lower efficiency, um, you know, bad matchup, but high touch player because he is likely to to see the vast vast majority of touches uh, with Doudle out.
0: I also believe on the other side of the ball because again, everyone knows they're playing both quarterbacks. The passing or the receivers in the passing game across the board as well uh even Brandon Cooks who's become a touchdown or bust option this is the spot to go right back to him but for the Lions running backs although Jameer Gibbs has gotten there Dave Montgomery has now outtouched him in back-to-back games and I think people have just been somewhat upset about Montgomery's results even though he did sneak in for a goal line score last week how are you handling these two running backs in this spot
1: yeah. So the last two weeks, you, as you mentioned, 38 touches for Montgomery, 32 touches uh, for Gibbs. However, if the touchdowns are four to one in Gibbs's favor. Uh, yards are 208 to 151 in Gibbs's favor. So, you know, you're looking at 75 yards on average for Montgomery over the last two weeks on 19 touches per game. He really needs to take one of these or two of these touchdowns away from Gibbs to be, you know, ranked to where he had been previously ranked, which was you know, in that 15 to 20 range, 15 to 25 range. Right now I have him a bit lower because it does seem like this backfield is shifting, at least from an efficiency standpoint, goal line standpoint, to where Gibbs are, is getting those uh goal line opportunities or scoring opportunities.
0: Raiders at the Colts. And let's start on the Raiders' side of the ball. We are still waiting on Josh Jacobs, who may miss his third consecutive game. And honestly, if it's yet again, Zamira White under center, It's an incredible spot to once again start him because the Colts have just been dusted by running backs. Uh, 29 PPR points per game collectively to backfields, out of their bye. Even Rashad Henry and Derek White, who usually don't go over 100 yards, reached that mark against them. Last week, Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson averaged over six yards per carry too. So if Jacobs is out, uh, I would imagine we both don't have any amount of fear going right back to Zamir.
1: Yeah, he's one of those, uh, you know, backups that I probably have the most confidence in this particular week, uh, given the matchup against uh, the Colts, who are thirty-first adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. I think, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you had more faith in him, but I wasn't entirely sure that Zamir White was capable for take, you know, taking over Josh Jacobs' role and being that effective of a runner. Uh, but he's averaging five point four nine yards per carry over the last. Uh, two weeks and you know it's 214 yards on 39 carries the 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 Raiders have made no bones about it they want to establish the run and Zamir White is the central figure in that Uh, it does not seem like uh, I thought Josh Jacobs might be back this week because it seemed like he might have been semi-close last week and they maybe they just decided to give him another week but he hasn't practiced as of today Uh, so I put Zamir White back in the rankings and he comes in at RB 17 uh, you know, right ahead of Edwards Hilaire, who you mentioned, uh, RB18.
0: And yes, that was the most frustrating thing, honestly. It wasn't trying to navigate our matchups and all the information going from day to day for week 16. It was that we were just following the tea leaves. And I assumed on Saturday, it seemed like Josh Jacobs was going to play. And so I left Samir White everywhere. And then, of course, Christmas morning, because the NFL Uh, just wanted to continue their capitalism approach. I instead was left shuffling for anyone to pick up. And that led me to start Justin Watson instead, just to have someone go since Josh Jacobs was no longer there. Um, But for this one, also, we saw Devontae Adams. I I shouldn't say Adams. We saw Aiden O'Connell struggle with literally zero passing yards over the last three quarters against the Chiefs. The Chiefs do Shut down opposing wide receiver ones, 31st in points per game. So, although Adam struggled immensely, you could still paint the picture and say that's why he failed to get there. And this matchup, though, how do you see him faring?
1: The Colts defense isn't uh, anything special. I would say, you know, middle of the road against uh, the passing game, they're ninth in adjusted fancy points allowed to receivers. Um, they are 10th against quarterbacks. Uh, so, they are a bit worse significantly worse against the run than they are against the pass. But, you know, you, you wouldn't think that, I mean, O'Connell, the game before the Chiefs game, had just this crazy stat line of four touchdowns against the the Chargers. So you would think this would be a bounce-back situation. The, the Colts seem to be in these, you know, high-scoring games, you know, week after week, most weeks anyway, uh, and you would think that this would be a higher-scoring game as well. And this would be a, a bounce-back opportunity for the uh, Raider passing game. And
0: finally, for this one, if Zach Moss were to return, because he's been limited on Wednesday and Thursday, would that move the needle for you at all as for Jonathan Taylor's presence or still all in on him?
1: It would. I mean, I'd have him ranked probably as an RB1. I've got him at RB5 right now. Uh, the Vegas is a 25th adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. But if Moss is back, then that would probably eat into his ceiling because he probably wouldn't see every single touch or 95% of the touches like he will see if, if he doesn't have Moss, a capable backup like Moss. So, uh, yeah, that would ding him a bit. Um, probably move him down a few spots. Uh, but, you know, these guys in the, you know, Jameer Gibbs is a part-timer. Uh, Saquon Barkley is a, a bell cow. Uh, James Cook is pretty much a bell cow. Uh, DeAndre Swift is kind of a bell cow, but doesn't get rushing touchdowns very often. So you, there are some question marks with those guys in terms of their uh, floors and their ceilings. So uh, I think Taylor would still be a really... But start with Moss back, you know, I, I definitely would think that Moss wouldn't have like a 50-50 type timeshare with Taylor. It'd probably be more like 80-20.
0: Falcons at the bears and not the same spot at all for this Falcons offense had the Colts indoors last week, but now they're traveling to the frigid and wet tundra in Chicago outdoors. The bears defense, since they added Montez sweat also hasn't has allowed one running back, David Montgomery to go over 70 yards. And that was in a game where they were blowing the lions out and just backed up and let the lions kill the clock on the ground. So I know people see Tyler Algier, double-digit carries last two games. It's not the spot to get him in. Um, you definitely want to look elsewhere for help. But how are you ranking just the pieces in general for this Falcons offense?
1: I think the only player that, you know, you really want to start, and even he feel a little bit dicey about, is Bijan John Robinson because, you know, he's probably going to get his 18 to 22 touches if Arthur Smith doesn't have another uh, – brain fart I guess uh so you know I don't really want to start uh uh Drake London in this matchup I don't really want to start Kyle Pitts in this matchup the the Bears defense has been really good so I'm only starting those players if I absolutely have to and I don't have uh you know any other options on the bench because you know they're talented players but this is just a a bad matchup uh pretty much from top to bottom
0: and if DJ Moore were to go I'm assuming you have him ranked as a Wa- fringe wide receiver one, if not lower. We're still waiting on his injury. Yo, is the thing.
1: Yeah, it, I have him ranked lower than that because of the injury. Like he didn't look like himself after that ankle injury. I was shocked uh, he returned. Yeah, I was as well, and I don't think it's. I don't think. it, I mean, I think he's dicey to play, and there's you know there's there's some downside. So, Atlanta's a pretty tough you know against the the pass as well. They're 11th and just fantasy points allowed to receivers. So I've got him ranked as a low end wide receiver two I think I'd like to start like DeAndre Hopkins over him for example with Will Levis likely back um, but you know if he's if he's full tomorrow or it looks like he it was just a it wasn't a high ankle sprain or anything like that it was just a you know one week deal where he you know was kind of gimpy in game and he's a lot better uh, heading into this week then he'll he'll move up uh, but I, I don't you know when, those, when these guys are trying to play through injuries it really slides them down about five to 10 spots in my rankings because you just kind of lose that confidence in them. And then there's always the downside that they have an uh, in-game setback and aren't able to to finish a game.
0: Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. And now you can score even more pizza with your pizza. It's easy. Just order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and become eligible for instant win prizes. And best of all, you pick the toppings you crave. I attended a live Scott Fish Bowl draft over the summer and was convinced by a friend to try Little Caesars pretzel stuffed crust pizza with cheese sauce. And no hyperbole, it changed my life forever. Either way, everyone wins with Little Caesars convenient delivery or in-store pizza portal pickup. You can even pay for your pizza on the Little Caesars app and have your friends grab it on their way over to watch the game. That's how you enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Pizza, pizza. Prize Picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, Prize Picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. Prize picks even offers in-game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together with more A.J. Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now, it's possible. Just go to prizepicks.com accurate and use the promo code accurate to match your first deposit up to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. The holidays are right around the corner. And what better way to please your family and the crowd than with HelloFresh's 15-minute meals. With HelloFresh, you can skip that trip to the grocery store and still turn around anything from photo-worthy charcuterie boards to mouth-watering desserts with pre-portioned ingredients that travel straight from the farm to your door. I've enjoyed avoiding that hassle with HelloFresh because all you have to do is pick your favorite meals, decide on a delivery date that works, sit back, and allow the food to come to you. And right now, HelloFresh is offering free breakfast for life. That's right, free breakfast for life. Just go to hellofresh.com slash free, and use the code mostaccuratefree to receive one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. Again, that's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash free using the code mostaccuratefree. It's another reason why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And If I had to choose one running back for the Bears, hopefully no one's in a position to, I think it would be back to Deontay Foreman, since I believe we're going to get positive game script for the Bears in this one. And if that's the case, at least they've shown us in the past, they prefer to lean on Foreman. But again, I played Roshan because of that past evidence last week. And it turns out they played him against the Vikings before the buy over Herbert, if only to keep him in to pass block against Brian Flores' blitz defense. So if it were not Foreman and it were Herbert instead, at this point, nothing would shock me, which is why I'm trying to stay away.
1: Yeah, I uh, let, let, let me just put it this way. I, I don't have any Bears running back in my top 35 uh, running backs. Uh But Herbert is my top one at 36, Foreman at 38, uh, and then, uh, you know, Roshan Johnson at 47. Uh I do sort of think that maybe Herbert won the RB one job back and I don't know what's going on with Foreman and his personal issue that kept him away from practice and they decided to rule him out last week. So just to me, there's maybe a little bit of smoke there that uh, maybe Herbert is back in the fold as the RB one, but, and he did well last week. So maybe he's earned some more snaps and perhaps the start.
0: The Panthers at the Jaguars. And as you can personally attest, Joe Berry's defense brought Bryce Young back to life with a 300-yard performance. The thing is, for the Jaguars' offense, not only is Trevor Lawrence banged up with his third different injury this year, but the argument against Jordan Love in the passing game last week is the same thing. It was that the Panthers' defense has been genuinely incredible. The secondary has been dictating games out of their buy since week eight now. They're allowing just 5.9 yards per attempt. Through the air. No quarterback has gone over 230 yards in that span. So again, whether it's Lawrence or Bethard, I do think it's a pretty bad spot for Jacksonville's offense overall.
1: Yeah, I'm looking for other options than Calvin Ridley. Uh I, you know, certainly if Lawrence is able to play, I'd feel better about starting yeah. Ingram Ridley. Uh but if it's Beathard, then I'm just like, oh man, I, you know, you're it's dicey. Beathard has
0: like, consistently dumped it off to Evan Ingram, so that's where my confidence would go. But yeah, with Calvin Ridley, uh, we just lose the juice.
1: Yeah, you know, the only thing you have going for you right now with this receiving core is that it's very concentrated because of the injury to Christian Kirk, and I don't know, I don't think Jose Jones is uh, back yet. Um, so it's 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 just Ridley and basically engram uh so there is that but you know it's the it's one of the worst matchups in the league uh, for passing games as you mentioned the, the panthers have been really good they're also really bad against the run or have been pretty bad against the run so this is probably going to shape up as a travis etn game and i would think that if it's bethard they would really try to go run heavy and kind of take the game out of his hands and let etn try to win it
0: we also saw as we expected. Baker Makefield, Mike Evans have big games last week against this Jag secondary that has struggled immensely since they've come out of their bye. A lot due to injuries, but really it's just regression as they were overachieving the first half of the season. So you probably don't need to get there, but honestly, if you need players, I think Adam Thielen and DJ Shark, like 14, 16 team leagues, are fine in this matchup, just how bad the Jaguars have been.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I wouldn't want to start Bryce Young either, but maybe in a super flex, he's he's uh, you know viable given that he had a good game last week in a, in a similar similarly happy matchup against the Packers defense. Uh, Thiel and I have at thirty four, just as a you know PPR type guy, and uh, Chark at fifty three. Um, you don't you don't have a lot of confidence in either player, but it is a good matchup.
0: Saints and Bucks, I think will be a fun one because of just how poor both defenses have been playing. Let's start on the Saints side of the ball, because not only has Derek Carr now been a top nine quarterback in back-to-back games, this is the best matchup possible for him against this Bucks defense that we continue playing everyone against. Even Beathard and Lawrence, who was injured mid-game, combined for 18 fantasy points. And now here's Carr not only getting Rashid Shaheed involved, but... Chris Olave has a 25% target share against the blitz this season. And Todd Bowles is blitzing the Bucs defense, the league's third highest rate. So I do like the options through the air here between Chris Olave and
1: Rashid Shahid. So how high would you say you are on car?
0: I would As start. I've had to think about it because I did the rankings for the waiver wire. Then I backed off um, Nick Mullins, who was benched was at the top, but we'll get to Jaron Hall because I think I would start Jaron Hall over Joe Flacco for the rushing upside, honestly. Uh, I would start Derek Carr over Joe Flacco. If someone has that question tonight, uh, I have a lot of confidence in this game's environment and both offenses.
1: I would agree with that. I have Carr at 17, uh, Flacco at 18. Yeah, you did mention that yeah. th- that Carr, uh, you know, he had 20.3 against the Giants, 25.0 against the Rams in the last two weeks. But prior to that, he had four games, uh, 11 points or less. So it, it's like a, it's like you could look at the last two weeks and say, oh, he's you know he's back to being great or good, <laughs> Derek Carr. But it wasn't that long ago that we were talking you know talking about benching him. But it might have been injury related. You know he did have, you know had some forty nine percent, sixty two percent snap rates. Uh, as you mentioned though, this is the, this is a great matchup, and he has six touchdowns in his last two games, uh, and a lava back and a Shahid. So it, it is a pretty good environment to stream him.
0: And condensed target tree between those two. So that's also why I like it quite a bit. For the Bucks, I keep saying, as I mentioned last week, that eventually Chris Godwin has to get here. He's still lingering around with a higher target share the last three games, over their last three games together, than Evans. The issue is that Evans is the one who is inevitable. He is the one who keeps scoring touchdowns, and no Marshawn Lattimore, since historically that's what happens in these matchups: is that they allow Lattimore to sh- shadow Evans, and Evans has been actually been for his entire career so bad against one-on-one coverage that he fails in those spots. But with so many injuries now for this Saints defense, you can just play everyone.
1: Yeah, for sure. With Evans, I mean he's been a top ten ranked receiver all year basically he's been awesome so many so many touchdowns and i'm just looking at chris godwin's uh game log and i love chris godwin like for, i've loved him for a long time in fantasy i just you know these guys that rack up these catches like this are, are so much fun to play in ppr formats and he's got 11 12 and 11 targets in the last three weeks five for 53 10 for 155 against my packers porous defense and six for 78 against the jaguars he has one touchdown on 74 catches. Which is kind of mind-boggling. It's like it's like Deontay Johnson level mind bogglingness uh, 119 targets with one touchdown. He does have a rushing touchdown as well, which that's hilarious, right? Every, everything we touchdowns. said,
0: everything we said about Deontay Johnson this offseason, we are literally just We're going to copy say and paste, yeah. yeah, and just put Godwin's stats in there instead. For sure. Uh for. The Bucks, or for the Bucks as well, yes, you know exactly what to do with the backfield here. Even like Rashad White last week averaging less than three yards per carry, it just doesn't matter whenever you're also consistently getting the passing involvement. So again, Baker Mayfield, Rashad White, K. Dodden, if you need to get there, they're all perfectly fine. You want to play everyone in this game. And a similar matchup is the Cardinals and Eagles because the Eagles are touting this 29.5-point team total, and it's just a Cardinals defense that doesn't blitz, plays soft zone coverage, and pretty much allows you to do whatever you want. It sucks for DeAndre Swift, because he's like a child running in from outside that can't see the glass door that was just cleaned, and so every time he reaches the goal line, he smacks into this door and falls down. I've never seen a worse runner trying to cross the goal line. It's like, it's as if he purposely wants to fall down in that spot. And that's why from the two yard line in Jalen hurts is out, carried him 14 to one because the tush push is undefeated. So although it's an incredible matchup micro wise for DeAndre Swift, he still needs the touchdown to get there.
1: He does. And, you know, you think he probably will get a lot of carries in this one in positive game script. Uh, Maybe he gets his touch. You know, his he's got five rushing touchdowns. He's only got, two in the last six weeks um and then the other issue with him that's kind of hurting his floor is the this lack of receiving um he has two catches in the last three weeks for one yard uh he hasn't gone over 10 yards receiving since week 11 uh so that really doesn't you know give you the ceiling that we want out of our rb1s right but this is a good spot with with arizona because he probably will see 18 to 20 carries and he could rush for over 100 yards and you know, get in the end zone once. Maybe he gets so excited when he gets inside the five because he thinks he might actually score uh, that he just kind of loses his composure and runs into a defender or trips or something because he feels like he's finally going to get a touchdown and then he ends up handing it over to uh, Hertz.
0: The running back on the other side is someone who I'm also excited about because what's happened is that they do have the personnel, Philadelphia, and the talent to be a good defense. But their injuries, their miscoverages have been so porous this year. They have played more defensive backs than any other defense in the NFL. And now we're also seeing their running game leak immensely. Saquon Barkley got there last week with 80 yards and a touchdown. Ken Walker before that with 86 and a touchdown. So with James Conner now on this hellacious streak, uh RB twelve and three or top twelve running back in three consecutive games, I do think it's a really good spot, like under the table for James Conner.
1: Yeah, it'd be flying a little bit under the radar because you look at uh, the, oh, yeah. the, number, the numbers, uh, the Eagles are sixth in just the fantasy points allowed to running backs. But as you mentioned, uh, they've been, you know, they've been given up since week 13, given up 101 rushing yards on average and one touchdown to opposing backfields plus 29 yards uh, receiving. We know that they're they're kind of, a, they've been a pass funnel this year, but it looks like they are becoming an uh, equally bad uh, run defense as well. 4.2 yards per carry is not terrible against running backs, but you know, as I mentioned, 101 rushing yards per game to opposing running backs, pretty significant. So 130 total yards. And you know that James Conner is going to get a lot of that. How do you feel about Kyler Murray this week?
0: A little bit worried just because what the most points he scored all year is 22, I believe, 22, 24, depending on what scoring format you look at. Uh, he's just lacked the ceiling. Um, and so although it is a, still a secondary, we do want to target. They've had easier matchups these past two games. So it's masked how poor and how great of a matchup they've been for fantasy. Kyler Murray, to me, just can't be anything more than a low-end QB1 because he hasn't shown he can be.
1: Yeah, that's where I have him ranked at, low-end QB1. I was just curious because the the matchup, 26 adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to quarterbacks, and he's coming off of three uh, tough matchups. Uh, the Pittsburgh was fourth and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks san francisco was seventh and chicago was ninth so he only scored 20.4 which was actually not bad 11.8 uh, no i'm sorry 11.8 against pittsburgh uh 13.3 against san francisco and then 20.4 last week against chicago which is not bad given that matchup but i think he you know he should he should be a little bit better and he does have like top five top six upside but you know he's got a i mean i think what 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 you're kind of counting on is Philly jumping out to a lead and you know the Cardinals having to go pretty pass heavy for the most of the second half.
0: Eagles also last or first however you want to say it in receiving yards per game allowed to opposing slot receivers but it's actually Trey McBride who's ran 68% of his routes from the slot so again we have confidence in him and then honestly even without Marquise Brown just no one is instilling enough confidence to play them. I want to play Greg Dorch. I think it's a good matchup, but Dorch isn't being used in the slot this year, whereas under Cliff Kingsbury he was, and he's still running routes behind both Rondo Moore and Michael Wilson, who's laid eggs in back-to-back games. So I, I don't have confidence in Dorch, but if I need to, that's probably like as deep as I go in a 14-team league.
1: Yeah, you mentioned though, McBride is the, the must-start out of this receiving group for sure.
0: 49ers... At the Commanders, and you can't pick a better bounce-back spot for Brock Purdy in this offense. Uh, now Brock Purdy's still leading the league in yards per attempt from a clean pocket, and since Commanders traded both Chase Young and Montez Sweat, they're the only defense creating pressure on less than 30% of opposing quarterbacks dropbacks. So Purdy, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, you can't pick their number of targets because they're all going to just get there on uber efficiency. But the point is, they're all going to get there here.
1: Yeah, and I would say with Purdy, uh, you know, he had the stinger, was unable to finish the game. It looks like he is going to play. I I see him doing some press uh, and usually injured players or people that are in danger of not playing don't you know, get, give press time. So it looks like he's probably in, in line to play, but if he has a setback or is unable to play, I think Sam Darnold's a really good streamer, uh, you know, in a fantastic matchup and, you know, Sam Darnold has kind of turned his career around and I think he's in the best spot possible playing for uh, Kyle Shanahan. If he ever gets a chance to start, because he'll, he'll probably deliver in this offense.
0: On the other side of the ball, what's interesting with Jacoby Brissett being named starter, I do think he gives a little bit of life to the, Commander's offense. He's now been brought off the bench in back to back games. And on all five possessions he's been inserted for, they've ended with a touchdown. Terry McLaurin also with 22.5% target share, team high mark from Brissett these last two weeks as well. And the boundary is where you attack the 49ers. That's their weakest personnel. That's where allowing the second most catches per game to opposing receivers from out wide. So I like McLaurin again with Brissett under center.
1: Brissette, uh probably should be a, you know, a every week starter in this league, uh, just lacks the like franchise, you know, he's our franchise quarterback type uh, upside or guy to build around because he's good enough to be, you know, in this 15 to 30 range uh, in this league because just given his resume of playing time and how he's done. But, you know, filling in for Sam Howell now, he's targeted Terry McLaurin on five of his 23 pass attempts this year, 21.7 target share. He's completed four of those five targets for 122 yards. I don't think he'll be able to keep this up, but that's 24.4 yards per target to Terry McLaurin. There is a bit of life here, I think, with Terry McLaurin. I've got him ranked as a low-end wide receiver, too, with Brissett at quarterback. And, you know, the outside, as you mentioned, that's where the 49ers are a little bit vulnerable in the passing game.
0: It's a good week, honestly, for streaming quarterbacks, even in super flex leagues. Like, I I have all the confidence in the world in grabbing – the the bundle of Jaron Hall, Tyra Taylor, Jacoby Brissett, Jared Stenham, because they are backup quarterbacks in amazing spots against bad defenses and good environments. So we've seen throughout the year, Jake Browning, everyone else included, like what happens is these backups come in, come in hot, and then give it two or three games. Opposing coordinators get the film on them and they shut them down because they're backups. They can't progress more than that. But honestly, their first couple of starts we've seen them give life. And that makes me want to also say that not only do I have confidence starting Jacoby percent where I need to, but also Tyra Taylor and the giants hosting the Rams because in three games that restarted a majority of the snaps, not only is Taylor providing six carries per game in those contests, but he came off the bench again last week. It's what we saw against Buffalo on Sunday night in one of his last starts and just provided a ceiling. Um, just started popping it for over eight yards per attempt, went over 100 yards to a touchdown. So against this Rams defense that is – This last month, they're struggling to create pressure as these younger players are now dwindling towards the end of the year. I do think it's a pretty good spot, honestly, for both offenses here to give us a ceiling.
1: The uh, Rams defense has become a bit of a pass funnel. They're 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They're third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. I think Saquon Barkley is fine, uh, but... It might just create some opportunities for Tyrod Taylor having to throw the ball, you know, more play calls, uh, past play calls, as opposed to runs if they have trouble running with Barkley. It, it's just, that's just how it's sort of trend over the last few weeks, uh, you know, being 28th and just the fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So Tyrod Taylor has always been a good fantasy asset uh, because of the ability to run, and he's a competent thrower. Uh, and they do have, you know, most of their weapons pretty healthy. Uh, so that that is a decent spot. And you're also, um, you know, looking at Rams defense or offense, that's pretty hot. So this could be a, you know, a higher scoring game than people think.
0: And you don't need to tell anyone, but obviously you just start everyone for the Rams as well. Uh, Puku Nakua seeing a team high 25 and a half percent target share against the blitz this year and Wink Martindale's blitzing at the second highest rate. Cooper cup seems to be back to full strength um, now, these last three games has looked great. Kyron Williams is just handling every single touch, even in blowout game scripts. So again, for everyone involved with Tyrod under center, it got me really excited about the environment here because I think both offenses are going to have a lot of success.
1: I would also mention uh, Demarcus Robinson, who's been oh, really yeah, of course. hot as well as the third receiver. I've got him ranked at 42, uh, given the Giants are 21st and just a fancy points allowed to receivers. So he's that tertiary option that's uh, been really effective lately.
0: Tutu Atwell returned from concussion, but for everyone listening, it was still Robinson who ran around on 94% of dropbacks in three wide sets. Uh, the touchdowns, as he's scored now in six consecutive games, are not sustainable. But at the same time, yes, he is involved in this potent offense and a very good matchup. So you can continue starting Demarcus Robinson in 12-team leagues as well. The Patriots and the Bills in Buffalo it's actually been fairly predictable for Gabe Davis against man and zone splits. And so I will say, although I was confident in Davis last week, I'm backing up I, where you need to play him. I understand it's no big deal is Gabe Davis. He can still go off at any time, but the Patriots are one of only two defenses playing man defense on over 40% of their snaps. And that's exactly what Davis has struggled against. Not only this season, but for his entire career. So Diggs who didn't get there in the box score, but literally led every receiver in the NFL in target share last week. Diggs is the player I finally can say I believe his ceiling will come in this game.
1: Okay. Because it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. And so he's been kind of slipping down our uh, rankings, you know, obviously, you know, to start the year, he's a top six or seven every week type player, and he's at 13 this week. Uh, So I've got him ranked below Ayuk and Rasheed Rice and Puka Nakua and Nico Collins right now, just based on his recent performance. Uh, But your splits with Gabe Davis are interesting. Davis, I have it at 38, and I wouldn't want to start him because he's just like, I'm never going to draft him again unless it's best ball. I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> I, I'm going to pass on him, no matter what. Every redraft league, because he goes from zero to a hundred, and uh, you just don't know exactly. You say it's predictable. I don't know. I try to predict it, and it just doesn't seem to work out every time. I get those man zone splits. I, I you know, I, I bump him up the rankings, and then he doesn't deliver. So, uh, and I don't know how much of a like high scoring game this is going to be. Too. This is the the, the the Patriots are just kind of a crappy offense. I don't know if the Bills are going to have to throw a whole lot in order to stay in this one. So, like Gabe Davis makes me nervous, but I think Stefan Diggs certainly is a pretty much an every week start uh, unless you're really, really loaded at receiver. And uh, the uh, Patriots are 24th at just fancy points allowed to receivers.
0: And for the Patriots, I would think that DeMario Ducks is probably the only one people can play. Uh, depending if we get Hunter Henry back this game, because Douglas at least has a floor. He's not going to give you a ceiling at all. He's a possession receiver, but he does get the catches from Zappy.
1: Yeah, and I would agree that uh, Hunter Henry is viable as a streamer if he's uh, healthy enough to play. The Bills are 25th in Joseph fantasy points a lot of tight ends, and he had two really good games with uh, Bailey Zappi prior to that uh, knee injury. Titans
0: and the Texans. And it sounds like C.J. Stroud will be back from his two-week absence of the concussion protocol. My only concern, although it is it is an incredible matchup, so it probably doesn't matter. And again, the top 12 quarterbacks are, are just thinned out to the point where you probably are starting Stroud. The only thing is, at least we've seen from Trevor Lawrence, Brock Purdy, those who returned from concussion protocol did struggle in their first game back. So that would be my only issue here with Stroud in this matchup. Otherwise, it's one we continue to target against this Titans pass funnel.
1: Yeah, we saw some, uh, I quoted some other numbers uh, coming off of the uh, in concussion for receivers. They also, you know, their fantasy production coming off that concussion is like 30% lower than normal. Uh, I need to look at the quarterback numbers as well. I have to start Stroud this week. I don't really have a choice uh, in my one of my toilet bowl uh, finals. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel pretty confident with him, although, you know, you are a bit worried about any player coming off of a concussion. The processing, uh, you know, just brain injuries in general are scary. Uh, but the matchup's good. Tennessee's 20th and just fantasy points allowed. Uh, Two quarterbacks. Uh, it really does bump up Nico Collins with Stroud back under center. And it does make Noah Brown an interesting, st- uh, streaming wide receiver three flex type uh, with um, Tank Dell out. So, I think it's going to be pretty concentrated between Nico Collins, uh, Noah Brown, and probably Dalton Schultz at tight end.
0: The same can be said for the Texans' backfield because we are getting Devin Singletary now the last two weeks significantly over Damian Pierce. And honestly, although the Titans did start out as a team you couldn't run on, we've seen the past couple of games that they just lost so many players now that. They are leaking a bit of running production. So, since we can have confidence all of a sudden and Devin Singletary getting the touches, uh, I definitely think he's a good start yet again this week.
1: I would agree with that. I mean, he's that was that was a tough backfield to sort of gauge uh, for a span there because they randomly gave Damian Pierce the lead back role in the middle of all this, but it's been back to still Devon Singletary as the primary back. And it's a pretty good matchup. Tennessee's 20th and just fancy points allowed to running backs.
0: Dolphins and the Ravens. And it sounds as if Jalen Waddle is not going to play. And if that's the case, although it is a very tough matchup, I will say Tyreek Hill has been targeted on 45 and a half percent of his routes with Waddle off the field this year. Not that anyone's going to bench Tyreek Hill anyhow, but he's a player I definitely have confidence in. How are you ranking the backfield, however, with Raheem Mostert battling an ankle injury? Uh,
1: The Ravens are first in the league in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, So it's it's tough to rank Mostert in the top 10 and also have uh, A-Chan in the top 25 or so. So the way it works out here, he's at 15, Mostert is. Uh, we'll see where his ankle injury is. I, I do feel like if Waddle is out, they may try to go run heavy in this game uh, because of just the lack of weapons around Tua, um, but whether or not they're going to have success at that, I don't know. Uh, the Ravens on a per-, per carry basis actually don't aren't that great, but the, I think teams just can't Keep up the running uh, against them. They've only given up five rushing touchdowns this year. They're giving up 4.4 yards per carry, 103 rushing yards, uh, but they're one of the lowest in terms of number of rushes against. Fourth lowest uh, runs against them at 351, probably because they you know are leading most of the time. But if the Dolphins want to stick with it and keep this game close, uh, you know it might be a normal game for Mostert and Achan where they're getting their 60 to 70 yards rushing and maybe a touchdown uh, to boot.
0: I worry about the total in this game at all because it's two great defenses. I know everyone tried to say last week it's a schedule, why the Dolphins have been good since Jalen Ramsey have come back. But as I always argue back, the pieces are there under Vic Fangio who can scheme it up with Jalen Ramsey as a chess piece. So it makes sense that they did shut the Cowboys offense down. And so I just worry about both offenses in this game overall. It also doesn't sound like Zay Flowers is close to playing, which is I'm really worried about. Uh, would there be any fallout if Flowers were ruled out for you?
1: I just wanted to mention that Ravens uh, yards per play allowed second fewest, four point five. Dolphins fifth fewest yards per play, four point eight. To underscore your point that the, both defenses are really good. Uh, if Flowers is out, then I think Lamar Jackson's still Lamar Jackson. I mean, Rashad Bateman, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Odell Beckham can pick up the slack. Uh, Isaiah Likely's been pretty good, and then you know yeah, Jackson's really gets good. Mo- Yeah, Jackson gets most of his fancy or a lot of his fancy points running the ball. Anyway, Uh, it certainly would be uh, you know a little dicey to start any of those guys because you just don't know which one is going to pop his head up for a touchdown or two. Uh, Obviously, you're starting likely, probably if you you know he's he's at tight end six for me this week. But if if I were to remove Flowers from the rankings today, you know Beckham probably be the guy I would want to start, and then you know I don't think I would have a lot of confidence in Bateman. Or Aguilar, I just don't think it hurts Lamar Jackson a whole lot because he does have those two guys to kind of fall back on.
0: You also have the rushing floor for Lamar Jackson. So even if Flowers is out because he hasn't practiced through Thursday and the calf injury sounds like it's dwindling, um, at least we think, at least we know Lamar can still get there on his own without him. Steelers and Seahawks, Mason Rudolph gets by the Bengals who only exists in the NFL to correct bad offenses. Every single week, it seems like, did they play the Bengals or not? Because that dictates running games into how, and how offense is fair. Um, but this one, with the Seahawks banged up, what do you think about Geno Smith in the passing game? Uh, I threw you for yeah. a hook there. Sorry, I lost my concentration. I didn't mean to set you up for the Steelers offense
1: uh the gino i have a qb 15 and he's like one of those guys we were were talking about Derek carr and i was like well i'm looking at him in my rankings and he's he's got this great matchup but he's below uh three players that have have had more scoring upside at quarterback but have a bad matchup uh jordan love who's qb fantasy qb six on the year at minnesota third and against quarterbacks gino smith uh at home pittsburgh fourth against quarterbacks and then Tua. Uh, at Baltimore sixth uh, best against quarterbacks in terms of limiting their fantasy points so he's in this group where it's like yeah he's startable but you feel a little bit dicey about it but Pittsburgh's defense has been sort of up and down and you know Smith has a good receiving core Uh, he has he did deliver last week Uh, so yeah I feel decent about him but there you know definitely some other guys that you could turn to if you if you didn't feel so great about him
0: For the Steelers now, to go back there, how are you handling the receivers from Mason Rudolph? Because we did see still a lot of unsustainable production. Uh, George Pickens with a couple Hall of Fame catches, also turning basically a screen 86 yards upfield for after broken tackles. And so I think what the Steelers did can be a little misleading.
1: So George Pickens is one of these guys that maybe, you know, doesn't have the reputation of being the greatest route runner. But if the the quarterback trusts him to the point where he'll throw him the ball, he's good in the contested catch. Uh, So a lot of what George Pickens can do in his ceiling is whether or not uh, the quarterback is willing to throw to a covered receiver. Uh, So I do, I think when a player is coming off of a game like this, 195 yards, two touchdowns, 35.5 fantasy points with a new quarterback... I do tend to bump them up a bit because it does seem like there is a nice rapport there between the two and at least some trust. Uh, so he is ranked a bit ahead of Deontay Johnson this week for that reason. Um, just sort of leaning on the, the hot hand at this point. And he wasn't like he was terrible before this. He didn't have a touchdown since week eight, but he did have an 86 yard game, a 58 yard game since week 12 and six, week 13, uh, 47 yards back in week 15. He hasn't been awful. Uh so this is not totally totally out of the blue. And he did have three 100 yard games earlier in the year. So um, you know, going back to him here doesn't feel like too much of a of a reach.
0: Anything else to discuss in their backfield? Because I think by now people are probably just tired of Jalen <laughs> of Jalen Warren's usage and just ultimately not getting there unless he scores a touchdown.
1: Yeah, you have to hope for a uh I guess you have to hope for a a fumble out of Najee to get like consistent usage out of uh, Jalen Warren. Um, He did play last two weeks. He's played 63% of the snaps compared to 39% of the snaps for Najee, but it doesn't matter. Najee's out touched him uh, or at least out carried him 31 to 18 and out touched him 31 to 28. Najee's not involved in the uh, passing game at all. Last two weeks, zero targets. So uh, this is a good matchup against Seattle, though. So I think I could see starting both players if you had to in the flex.
0: Bengals at Chiefs, and I know it's been a struggle for Patrick Mahomes all year, but again, here comes the Bengals' defense that even the last two weeks, Nick Mullins, who was benched, and Mason Rudolph last week got there against. And so it is arguably Mahomes' easiest matchup all year long. We have still the breakout happening for Rasheed Rice. And so to me, it seems like finally a spot where Mahomes can reach his ceiling.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to play some Mahomes stacks this week against Seattle yeah, uh against the Cincinnati, including Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. Uh Justin Watson might still be cheap again. He's the other the third option, I think, in the passing game, I would say right now, given all the injuries that they have at receiver. Uh and I think Clyde Edward toler is a must play uh if he's able to get over this illness. I know he missed practice today with the illness. Jarek McKinnon's on IR. Uh Pacheco has a shoulder injury and he's in concussion protocol. So it looks unlikely that he's going to play. So if he sits, uh, it could be an every down do- uh, role for Edwards Hilaire. I've got him ranked at RB 18, giving up a few touches to, is it LaMichael Pirine as his background? Uh, I got that right. Uh As his backup. Uh, maybe uh, as, or, as,
0: or is it going or, to be
1: generic prints? Oh yeah. They have the they have a young guy off the practice. I, squad, can't, right? I
0: just, even though it's a couple touches, I, I don't think anyone matters, honestly. Uh, yeah. Even with McKinnon, these, those last two games without Pacheco, it was Hilaire handling 65% of backfield touches.
1: Yeah, I don't want to like rank Edwards Hilaire in the top 10, but I think that the, the, he certainly has that ceiling because if he gets every single touch in this offense against the Bengals, uh, he's probably going to finish in the top 10 or 12. Any uh, other but,
0: matchup, it would. I agree with you. It, I would think, you know, you've been so bad all year. Even though there's other games, he was really bad. He just caught a 68-yard screen. Um, but, again, the Bengals have made every running back look like a Hall of Famer this year.
1: Yeah, and so if he sees the sort of workload that he should with McKinnon and Pacheco out and gets like 90%, 95% of the touches, then he does have that sort of upside.
0: Every touch CEH is going to be something to tilt for sure on championship (laughs) week on the other side of the ball from Jake Browning, Jamar chase practice as a Thursday. So how are you handling chase in your rankings? If he returns.
1: You said said chase actually practiced today.
0: Limited. I believe. Yes. Okay.
1: The last I've seen is that he's out. So I just, if he's out, you're looking at T Higgins as the number one, he's got probably has Legereus Sneed, but Legereus Sneed has an injury as well. Um, Higgins has been awesome in the last two weeks, but if, if Chase is back, then obviously Higgins gets bumped down uh, a few slots and, uh, you know, he's, he's more in the high end wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two type rankings. With Chase, uh, you know, probably sliding in as a low end, I guess, high end uh, wide receiver two. I mean, we still have Jay Brown at quarterback, so it's not Joe Burrow. Uh, so there are some like, you know, it'd be an interesting ranking between him and uh, Stefan Diggs. Uh, if, if Jamar chase is back because it's two really talented players, but just aren't playing uh, or one has a quarterback issue. One's just not producing as as well as he has. And uh, seven, years, seven years career past.
0: games for T Higgins as well without Jamar chase now. And he's averaging just under a hundred yards. So I'm still piling on T Higgins. The matchup is terrible, but you just take it for the volume. If chase is out, I definitely worry about Higgins from Jake Browning in this game. If, chase goes i also know i think some people will start getting the idea to play andre yoshivas since he did ty higgins with a 19 percent target share but again it's such a bad matchup that uh championship week is not the time to be digging for yoshivas it's
1: getting, getting awfully cute
0: <laughs> off the waiver wire i wrote about <laughs> 10 receivers and didn't touch him in the waiver wire column chargers at the broncos with russell wilson benched And again, I talked about a little bit about him earlier. Stidham's start against the 49ers last year lives rent-free in my head because it was literally one of the best performances from any quarterback all year long, and I don't know how. He looked amazing in that game against San Francisco, took him to overtime. And honestly, if you didn't watch the game, anyone at home, one, I understand, since it was a Saturday night uh, before Christmas Eve. But also the Chargers hung around, only lost by two points. The Bills' offense still moved the ball at these six and a half yards per play. Josh Allen went over eleven yards per attempt. So now it's Stidham under center. I do think the Broncos can put up points and elevate this game environment overall.
1: The only problem is it looks like Cortland Sutton's going to miss. It'd be so much so much nicer for Stidham if if he had his wide receiver one. Uh, but this is a spot where Jerry Judy could be flexed in if if Sutton. Uh, misses it's just just a few extra targets going his way could really help and the and the Chargers are 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers they're 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks so I think Stidham is a viable super superflex uh, streamer uh, in this matchup and even uh, Mims uh, Marvin Mims who had a pretty good game last week is you know creeping up my rankings now he's ranked as a wide receiver five after being you know a wide receiver six or below for most of the year.
0: On the other side of the ball, although Giff Smith and Kellen Moore did some intuitive things on offense. We saw Austin Eckler in motion for the most in any game all year. Easton Stick got purposeful carries since he was a rushing quarterback in college, but then under Brandon Staley, they didn't use him to run at all whenever the team quit on Staley. But the issue is that I am pretty sure Keenan Allen has played his last snap with the Chargers already. Not only that, it doesn't look like Josh Palmer is going to play this game either with a concussion. So if that's the case and it's only Easton stick and Quentin Johnson against the Broncos secondary, uh, I'm not really interested anymore.
1: I I'm only interested in playing uh, Austin Eckler because it's a nice matchup against the Broncos running game. They would be a rush defense. They would be wise to go pretty run heavy, given their lack of receivers. I think uh, Gerald Everett is streamable at tight end. Oh and yeah. Mike about a, Everett. A, a low end uh, tight end one. Uh, Quentin Johnson, I have at 44. I'm pretty sure that's as high as I ranked him this year, and it's just a, because there's nobody else <laughs> to throw to. I mean, you're uh, it's it's ugly after even after him. At least he's a you know has the draft capital and has played. Uh, so he's at 44. He's kind of in that Jerry Judy, Demarcus Robinson, Tyler Boyd, uh, KJ Osborne uh, range. So I don't have any confidence in that. I I could easily see him getting having a goose egg. Uh, so really, the only confidence confident players for me are Eckler pretty much because he did bounce back with a pretty nice game last week and Gerald Everett at tight end.
0: Everett. I forgot to emphasize how good of a play he is this week. 25% target share of back-to-back games. The Broncos just getting gassed for the most points per game to opposing tight ends. So I agree Everett as safe as it comes, honestly, in terms of streaming tight ends. And finally Sunday night football Packers and the Vikings Nick Mullins bench, which is, you know, yes, he deserved to be benched, but still he went over 400 yards and they still said, brother, like we saw those interceptions and it was awful. The thing is that Jared Hall has four carries on 14 dropbacks this year. He was a rushing quarterback at BYU as well. And so against this Joe Barry defense, I think he offers both a high floor and ceiling higher than perceived.
1: Uh, absolutely. And I bet you haven't checked my rankings since I put Jaron no. Hall in the uh, rankings today. He is my QB 10 right now. And I feel wow. like that's way too high. You hate Joe Barry more than but, uh, I look, uh, you know, my rookie quarterback model has Hall for 20 yards rushing per game, uh, which I think is a bit conservative against this Packer defense. They have given up the fourth most rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks this year. Watching them as a fan, they always like forget that running quarterbacks can run. Uh, so I think he's going to be more like 25, 30 yards rushing, you know, floor for him. So that puts him in that, you know, upper end QB2 mix. Now the Packers are also pretty bad against the pass. Uh, they've they suspended Jair Alexander for going out and going to the coin toss when he shouldn't have. Uh, so I. You know, I probably would still. I'm looking at this ranking and but kind of fiddling with it. I probably still would start uh, Matthew Stafford, but I think Jaron Hall, uh, Jared Goff, is a very interesting question given that Dallas is pretty good on defense. Uh, you know, Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, I think it's, I think Jaron Hall is just in a prime prime matchup. He's got Justin Jefferson at least. I, I know these. They're down T.J. Hawkinson and Jordan Addison, but Osborne's been pretty good. They've got uh, Josh Oliver uh, at uh, tight end as well, who is pretty athletic. Um, and I know that they have another dude that they, Johnny Munt uh, who actually ran more routes than uh, Josh Oliver uh, when TJ Hawkinson went out. Uh, but there's, I think there's enough there and Ty Chandler, of course, out of the backfield can catch the ball. So I, I do think that Jaron Hall is my number one streamer outside of maybe Baker Mayfield this week. Uh, just looking at these rankings because uh, of the matchup that he has and his ability to run the ball.
0: It is Ty Chandler in a much better spot as well, compared to last week, again, against a very stout Lions run defense. So I have all the faith in the world going right back to Ty Chandler personally as a fringe RB1 in this matchup. On the other side of the ball, we're waiting on the receivers because it could be an entirely different game if we miss Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and Dontavian Wicks. Right now, at least, Reed returned to practice. We're waiting on the other two to come back at some point hopefully by Friday. So what are your thoughts on Jordan Love and the passing attack?
1: Well, I'm just assuming that Christian Watson's out until he starts practicing. He hasn't practiced as of today. Uh, I, I, I did see that Dontavian Wicks was out at practice, but they are saying that he's not practicing. That's the official de- designation, I believe. Uh, but it does look like Jaden Reed will be back. So that sort of replaces uh, Wicks in the offense. And they were, you know, Jordan Love was decent last week in a you know bad matchup against the uh, Panthers. He scored 33 points. He had uh, you know a couple touchdowns again. So um, this this is a tough spot. I against the the Vikings. I I am also wondering. I uh, DM'd my friend uh, Pat Fitzmaurice, who's uh, also a Packer fan, and I asked if if uh, Jordan Love might have a primetime problem. Uh, did, he has, did he tell he, you
0: it's week seventeen? Go away.
1: <laughs> no, he was like, "Oh no, you gave me a very thoughtful answer." Because whenever okay. I ask him questions, he gives me also because he's
0: one of the nicest people ever.
1: Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you know, he had Jordan Love was terrible against the Raiders, terrible against the Giants. Uh, he did have the good prime time of game against KC. This is a another big data point on the road against a, a defense that's playing really well, and he's shorthanded uh, at receiver. So you know, I've got him ranked at our uh, quarterback fourteen. Uh, you know, this would be it would be smart to really feature Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones looks real good. Um, and if, if Jaden Reed's back, that would be good to feature him as well.
0: With that, Paulson, I think we touched on everything we could for Week 17 while we are still waiting on all the shifting news that usually happens this time of year. What else do you have for everyone coming out on the site before they lock in their lineups?
1: This is it. The final sneaky start of the year is up on the uh, – on the site, I'm going to continue to update it. Cause we do have a lot of moving pieces with people that may not play, may not play. I've already added a couple of players since I published it. Uh, so keep an eye on that. If you're like wondering about my take on a certain player that is all of a sudden thrust into a starting role, because that tends to happen this time of year uh, and just stay on top of the rankings. But uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a pleasure uh, co-hosting with us with you. You're a fantastic uh, podcast host host. You keep things moving along. Uh, even though you st- got me thinking about the Steelers, uh, earlier and then threw me a Geno Smith question. That was maybe your only hiccup all year, John. So great job.
0: It's week seventeen. I'm allowed. <laughs> I'm allowed to make all the mistakes one. in the world as the bags in my eyes are just so large at this point. uh I will also be back one more time with TJ Hernandez, Pat Corrane for the DFS show tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern. We actually got 13 games on the slate, so feels like old school DFS in that good players are going to go overlooked across the board we'll even talk about as you mentioned Paulson uh, a little bit of a Washington stack maybe some Marvin Mims we'll get to all those players tomorrow so until that point you know at least for Thursday whether I'm here or not remember be a little bit kinder than what's required